Amen. God is good. All the time. Well, I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So uh, open your Bible, if you would, with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. You know, we've been talking about the practice of true religion, really the practice of our faith and what that looks like. And uh, Paul, in these chapters between 12 and and, uh, 15, 16, he's been talking about what that looks like and how that should look in our lives. And um, I'm very thankful for Paul and this passage that he has written. Um, Seems to be doing here in chapter 13 what he has done earlier all through the book of Romans. And he's pointing to the motivation of why we ought to live the way we should. See, we've got to answer that question of why. If we know the why, then we will live the way that we should. But sometimes we just want to know the what and the how, but then we don't understand the why. But the why is what enables us to live as we should live. And really that's what he's talking about here. Why we ought to be doing all these things that he's been telling us about in Romans 12. After he says, you know, um, put yourself on the altar and be that living sacrifice. And through the renewing of your mind. uh, Then he lists a bunch of things in, in chapter 12, 3 through 21. Where he's talking about the way that we should be living each day. Now this is the why on that. And the motivation is an event that we are looking forward to. An event that is coming. As he says in Colossians 1.27, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Now, when we talk about hope, there is hope inside of every believer. We have this hope. And the hope that I'm talking about, the hope in Scripture, is not something that is uncertain. It's not like saying, I hope I get a bike or a pony for my birthday. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something that you can take to the bank. He's talking about something that you know for certain because God said it. Something that you know for certain. And and it is an expectation that we will live with, this hope. And Paul is saying that this ought to be our motivating factor in the way we live our life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love that. Read with me, if you will, in Romans 13. Um, I want to begin in verse 11, and I'll read down through verse 14 says this, it says, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, Not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this passage. I ask, Holy Spirit, that in this moment, that you would just open our hearts to you. 
that, your, that, that you, Holy Spirit, would be able to show us those areas in our lives from your word that will allow us to become more and more Christ-like, that we would grow in his grace and knowledge. Father, thank you for this time together with the saints. Thank you that we can worship our Lord Jesus, and thank you for all that you do for us every day. Lord, guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I would submit to you today that today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's the first day of the rest of your life. You know, the present moment that we live in is like the dawn of a new day. You know, you're, you're sleeping, you get up, you wake up, and you go, and maybe you pour a cup of coffee, and you look out your window, and you see a new day dawning. What a beautiful thing. Beautiful morning. You see, folks, there's, some, there's someone coming. There's something coming, and it's someone. And there's an event that is yet to happen. And Paul is saying that the day of our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The day is coming. He's saying that with every breath that we take, with every step that we take, with each day of our life, every day that we live is drawing us closer to that time. There's an event coming. There's someone coming. He says here in verse 11, he says, do this, all of this stuff that he's mentioned previously. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. You know, it's interesting when you look at that word knowing. Because that word knowing in Greek is edo. And what that means is it, it means to have intuitive knowledge. Not something that you have been taught. But it is something that the Holy Spirit brings and knows within you. I love that. Because the Holy Spirit gives that to you when he comes to live within you. And it's also in the perfect tense. Meaning it's something that happened in the past. <laughs> and because it happened in the past, I'm in a state of being now. Okay? It's completed action that is for me today. When he says this, he says, it's like saying, I, the state that I am in, the, the state of knowing, <laughs> is inside of me. I know this because the Holy Spirit lives within. I've been born again. There is a hope inside of me. And one day, I'm going to see my Lord face to face, either in death, if he tarries, or when he calls the church. When we are resurrected, when we are raised to life with him and raised in the clouds. To me, that is a beautiful thing when Jesus returns for his bride. I can't wait. I say, Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. But I'm going to see him face to face. Ain't that going to be something? When we see Jesus face to face, the one who bled out and died so, and took our punishment so that we don't have to? Oh, yes. You see, salvation is like a resurrection from the dead. I mean, we, we understand when we read in Romans 6 
It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we receive Christ, we are given eternal life. What a blessing. You know, I love this because Paul talks about this also in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, he talks about uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead, he made us alive together in Jesus Christ. So we are in him. We are made alive. And so when we receive our salvation, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are, it's like a resurrection from the dead. We are born again. We are made new. We are raised just like we saw in the baptism. We are raised to walk in a new life. See, this death to sin and being made alive to Christ is represented in the, in the things that we do. As we, as we die to self and as we are, are buried with Christ and we are raised to walk in that newness of life. You see, the new life in Christ is like the dawning of a new day. There is, there's expectation, there's hope, there's, there's all of the newness of, of life. And a person made alive in Christ who does not grasp the opportunity to live for Christ is like someone who is sleeping in. Way past the time that they're supposed to get up. See, that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He says, now is the time to let Jesus Christ be Lord of your life. Oh, it's easy for us, huh? Oh, we got our fire insurance. Yep, right here, fire insurance. So that I don't go to hell. And what Paul is saying is it's time to wake up. It's time to get about the business that we're supposed to be about. And I love that because many of us, we keep doing the same thing over and over and we get lulled to sleep. Either that or we get distracted and we fall in love with the things of this world. Ooh, that's shiny. I like that. Oh, I want to go see that. I want to go do that. And and we get busy doing the things that we want to do And really not the things that God is calling us to do. That's what Paul is is getting at. You know, in Ephesians 5.14, he says, For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See, we want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is we want to put him on just like I put this jacket on earlier. We want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be wrapped in his righteousness. Because this illustration seems to be this, that the old deeds of a person's life before they came to Christ is like old clothes that need to be removed and thrown away. You know, as someone in the ancient world would have wrapped their robe around them, That's what Paul is saying. We need to be wrapped, put on the Lord Jesus Christ in a manner of life approved by him. See, in Ephesians 3 and Colossians 4, these are two letters that Paul wrote a few years later than the Romans from his Roman imprisonment. And he expounds on those ideas of of taking off the the, the old self and putting on the new self. Taking off the old garment, putting on the new. And really that's what he's saying that our life in Jesus should be like. 
But understand this. The change of clothes needs to be complete. You don't just come home from work and change your your shirt, gentlemen, and then you're ready for dinner. Normally you come home and you shower and you get cleaned up and you put on a fresh, clean change of clothes all from top to bottom because you just took a shower. What he's saying is the change needs to be complete. We need to take off all of the old clothes. None of the old, filthy clothes of an unsaved person will look good on one who is saved. I mean, that's why he says in verse 14, and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. See, any person who expects to live the Christian life with only a partial allegiance to Jesus Christ is in trouble. Because Jesus said, tell them early on, it's going to cost them everything to follow me. You can't partially follow Jesus. You either follow him or you're not following him. See, that person is as ridiculous as a person who's partly dressed in good clothes and partly in filthy clothes. And Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He wants all of us to be all in with him all the time. See, Satan may even try to trip up Christians who, who don't have any plans to continue the indulgences of sin. But when Christians stumble, when they fall, they fall toward Christ and they, they find forgiveness. But those who expect to be Christians and to plan to go on sinning, they've already deceived themselves and their condition and they're deceiving others. That's what it says in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Folks, we deceive ourselves if we think that we can just go on living the way we want to live and then just add a little Jesus to what we're doing. We're deceiving ourselves and it says there in that scripture that his word is not in us. See, God forgives And God forgets past sins. Hallelujah. See, as believers, we need to forget them too. Sometimes we feel like we can't break away from that. Past sins should not be barriers for us to putting on the new clothes and living for Christ. In Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul said this. Excuse me, I'm in Ephesians. Philippians, here we go. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, those past sins, just forgetting what lies behind, 
And reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, when you live for Jesus Christ, when you live that surrendered life, it's no longer about you. It's about him. See, it's the armor of light in the midst of all the darkness that's around you. Christ is in you. And so if you walk into the darkness, the, the, the darkness is going to start lightening up if Christ is in you. So you can't hide the light. Matter of fact, light extinguishes darkness. You turn the light on, the darkness goes away. Darkness does not put out light. That's why Paul tells us to put on the armor of light. Night and day and darkness and light are metaphors for Satan and Christ and for the flesh and for the spirit. See, the armor of light represents those qualities of character which Christians should equip themselves with as we fight the battle with Christ against evil. I mean, this is so important. Even in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about this and he expands on this idea and he talks about the the armor of God. You know, you've heard about that, the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes, you know, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the shield of faith, the sword, which is the word, the spirit, the spirit of the word of God. You think about all of that, and that is, the, that is what he equips us to, to fight the battle with. And, and what he's saying is, he's saying, let's behave properly in the day. Take off the old filthy garments, put on the righteousness of Christ, his robe, and then armor up and get ready for the battle. But before that, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. We can't be lulled to sleep. And that's what happens in our world is we get lulled to sleep. See, the way Christians ought to live is depicted as putting on new clothes, but then also putting on this armor of light so that we can stand firm with Christ in the battle against evil. Now, this third depiction that Paul has here is talking about the Christian life is, is about walking. You know, we might ask someone, how's your walk going? And really what we're talking to them about is how they are living their life. How are you living your life? How is your walk going? And, and Paul says that a Christian is to walk honestly, to behave properly, which Paul means to, to live honorably and decently. See, a Christian's walk is, hear me now, open as in the day. Your life should be open. It should be an open book like it is during the day when when people walk this earth and they go out and they do whatever they need to do. See, it's at night that the deeds of darkness happen. It's at night that people try to try to steal things and be sneaky about it is because they oh it happens in the daytime too. I know that. But what I'm saying is the Christian ought to live like it's daylight all the time. That you're living your life in such a way that that as you live your life, it's an open book for others to see because they know that we belong to Jesus. You might ask yourself the question, well, why put on Christ? Why accept him as Lord? (laughs) Because he is Lord. 
He is Lord. I mean, Peter preached at Pentecost in Acts 2, um, verse 36. He says this, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. (laughs) See, people who do not accept Jesus as their Lord find themselves in opposition with God. Folks, I don't want to be that guy. I want Jesus to be Lord because he is Lord. He has a right to be Lord. I mean, the things that he did, he he bled out, he died, he humbled himself to the point of, of, of dying on the cross. And it says in Philippians 2 that because of his obedience, because he humbled himself as a man, that God raised him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, this is God's plan. God is the one who has raised him and made him Lord, and he is so worthy. He is so worthy. We sing that song, Worthy. He is, you are worthy because he is light, he is love, he is truth, he is righteousness. You see, Jesus never asks his followers to do anything that is contrary to truth. Never contrary to love, never contrary to righteousness. That's the kind of Lord that he is. He is worthy to accept his lordship is wise. And it's right. And it's also God's will that we do that. And really the only way, the only way to be happy is to accept his lordship. I mean, you've seen people that that, that don't know Christ. And they can never be fully happy because they're trying to fill it with the, the stuff of this world. They're trying all these things, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or or whatever it might be, stuff. They're trying to fill that void and it never quite quenches their thirst. You know, a backslider, someone who knows Jesus and isn't doing what they need to be, they can never be truly happy. I mean, you think about a person that professes Christ and they they compromise. They're the most miserable person in the world. And here's why I say that. Because they have one foot in the kingdom of God and they have one foot in, in, in the world and they can't be happy in either. Because they, they have just enough of God to make them miserable when they sin. And they have just enough of the, of the world in their life to make them mis- feel guilty and shame when they do sin. They're riding the fence. And so what I want to say is get off the fence. Awake. Let's get after it. Let's do what God has, has called us to do. You know, that type of person... Is like the man back in the Civil War who wanted to stay neutral. So he put on, he wore a blue coat and he wore gray pants. And the problem was, was the Confederates shot him in the coat and the Yankees shot him in the pants. For heaven's sakes, get off the fence. Be one way or the other. Because neutrality... With Jesus is denial. Matthew 12, 
verse 30. Jesus says this. He says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. So if you're not out gathering in the harvest, you're scattering. See, a fully devoted Christian is really the only one who can be thoroughly happy. I mean, the Beatitudes describe the characteristics of a citizen of God's kingdom. Those character qualities of a Christian disciple. And it says, blessed is he... Or happy is he. In the upper room, Jesus was talking and washing his disciples' feet. And he told them, he said, these things that I I tell you, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. See, I like to view it like this. Joy is Jesus and you with nothing in between. Jesus and you with nothing in between. See, now is the time. You're not preparing to live. You are living. Today is the day. The dawn has come. The opportunity is now. Because you understand that salvation refers to all that God has done, all that he is doing, and all that he will do. I mean, I think about this in my life. Salvation is past. I was saved from the penalty of sin when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get what I deserve. Hallelujah. That makes me so happy to know that I'm not going to get the punishment that I deserve because I've been justified. And that word justified means that you've been acquitted of a crime. The Lord, he didn't drop the charges. Jesus took the charges for you. He took them on himself and That's what God did for us. And the moment that I put my faith in Jesus, that was reckoned to my account. That I'm no longer going to have to pay the penalty of that sin. I've been saved from the penalty of sin. It's salvation in the past. But it's also salvation in the present. It's this growing in grace and and, and what we call sanctification. It's part of, of being saved. I am being saved from the power of sin. In my life. See this body. My body. Is a sin body. It's got sin in it. And scripture tells me to present my body. Romans, tell, Romans 6 tells me to present my body. As an instrument of righteousness to God. Not just to do anything I want. But present my body as instruments of righteousness. And remember that his victory. Is something that he's already given me. In Christ. See. Daily. Daily. We are learning how to have power over the body. How to have power over sin in my life. But salvation is also future. Because one day, we shall be saved. (laughs) Not the penalty, not the power, but the presence of sin. What's not in heaven? The presence of sin. We won't have to deal with this sin nature, this sin body any longer. I love that. The presence of sin in this body that we live in, it's here and it's now. But on that day, we will not have to deal with that any longer. See, the spiritual expectancy and reality ought to motivate us to live the way we ought to live. I'm almost done here. You know, Paul 
expected the return of Christ at any time. And he said we should be ready to greet Christ. We should be ready to greet Christ. You know, a lot of people that I meet are spiritually asleep. They don't get it. They don't understand. They may have given their life to Christ 40 years ago. They came and they've sat on a pew for 40 years. But they don't get the spiritual life. They don't understand what it means to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in my life, recognize that one of those fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I can't do anything I want to do. I'm being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Folks, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I mean... Once you've awakened, he says something else. He says, you got to get dressed. <laughs> Wake up, but also get dressed. And I love this because isn't that what we do? Hopefully we get up and we, we get dressed. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I used to love to go fishing. And it was, it was crazy because the night before, I would always get really, really excited. I don't know what it is about fishing. But I'd get just really excited. I couldn't even sleep. I was so excited. And, you know, it seemed like the, the longest thing that I'd ever done in my life was waiting all night to go fishing. You may have remembered the commercial on TV a few years back. There was a little boy comes in and he wakes his daddy up. And he says, Daddy, Daddy, why are you asleep? You promised that we were going to be going, right? You were going to take me. And the daddy said, I know, son, I know. But it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And the little boy turns and he walks down the hall. And he says, okay, I'll be back in 10 minutes. But the point is, he's already dressed and he's ready to go. He's dressed and he's ready to go. Folks, it's equally true that Christ may come for believers in death. And we may have the opportunity um, to accept him now here. But we don't know when that time is. You know, we live in a crazy world. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know. But I guarantee you that every one of us, if the Lord delays, if he tarries in coming back, that every one of us is going to see death. It's not something we need to be afraid of. I say hallelujah. If he comes for me, I'm ready to go. We need to be dressed and ready. And what I want to tell you is now is the time to prepare your life for afterlife, for death, by putting on the Lord Jesus. I mean, we need to be dressed and ready to go. So what do we know? We know the time. That's what he says. Do this. Knowing the time. And that word time is interesting. We think of it as a commodity. We think of it as something we can trade and buy and sell and do all those kind of things with. We accumulate it. We, we spend it. We, we do all this. But the word time here is not what he's talking about. He's not talking about when I look at my, uh, my iPhone and look at the clock on there. That's chronos. That's measuring time. The word here for knowing the time is the word kairos. And it means a special time, a special season. 
God's appointed time, God's appointed season, opportunity. See, understand that there is opportunity now. While you are living and breathing to put on Jesus Christ. When you breathe your last breath, time will be no more. And you won't have the opportunity to put on Christ. Paul tells us every day we're drawing nearer and nearer to that salvation than when we first believed. So Paul, if we listen to him, he says, awake, wake up. He says, get dressed, get ready, and go to work. We don't like to hear that. That sounds too much like a job. But folks, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to wake up, we're supposed to get ready, and we're supposed to go to work. I mean, that, when, when we live the surrendered life like it talks about in Romans 12 too, of, of, of being a living sacrifice, it means waking up every day and saying, Lord, make me a vessel that you can use. Lord, use me in the battle. Use me in the fight somehow today to share Christ with others. Because he that doesn't gather with me scatters. See, God's grace, it enables you to do what he commands you to do. He's not asking you to do this on your own. The Holy Spirit within you will empower you to live the way he guides us to live. You can't do it on your own. But we must learn to make no provision for our flesh. But instead make provision for him. He's coming again. And on that day, you're not going to be able to stand before him and say, I didn't know you were coming. Because on that day when we stand before the Almighty, every sermon that we've heard, every word that we've heard that encouraged us to make a decision for Christ will be held out as evidence against us. And today, you've heard that. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The way we do that is really simple. We do it through prayer. We ask Jesus to come into our heart. We ask him to forgive us of our sin. We, we, we acknowledge that he is Lord. And it says when we do that, when we confess with our mouth and ask Jesus to come in, he will come in and live within us. Very simple. If you've never done that in just a moment, we're going to have a time of response. You've heard what God's word says. Now it's time to respond to that. If you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I invite you to come and do that this morning. If you have, maybe you've just gotten cold. Maybe you want to jump back in. Maybe you want to move closer to Christ. This is an opportunity to do that. You're here. You're in the right spot. Now move a little closer to Him. Maybe you're here and you're a believer, but you're not plugged in anywhere. 
If you're looking for a place to serve, to serve our world, to serve others, to serve his body, this is a good place to do that. Whatever decision you want to make, in a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing together, and as we do, you come. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it challenges us. Father, I thank you for how it challenges me. Father, I'm thankful that you don't leave us where you find us. I'm thankful that you give us what we need for each day. And Father, I pray that you would wake us up. Father, that you would stir our hearts, that we would no longer be living for us and our own lusts and our own things, but Father, that we would be living for you. Father, I pray that you would move us from where we are to where you want us to be. God, that you would do that by your power, by your Holy Spirit, living within us. Father, that you would just put it upon our hearts. Father, we know that the day is drawing near. The signs of your return, King Jesus, are all around us. Everything is lining up. And the drumbeat is getting faster. I ask, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. That you would guide us to you. Father, that we would put on the Lord Jesus. And that we would do that today. Forgive us, Father, where we fail you. I ask, God, that you would reign through your Holy Spirit in this time of response and that it would bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.